Welcome to the Outdoor Man podcast with me, Dan. Uh, this week, the podcast is done with the Norfolk Ornithologist Association. Um, <coughs> this, I decided to speak to them because during my school work experience, I went there and, to be honest, I learned so much about how that point I knew I wanted to be a gamekeeper and uh, I'd re- I didn't realise until until going there how much the countryside is entwined with each other and, and how much the keeping fits into the conservation, especially for the preser- preservation of, uh, of wild birds. Um, so I contacted Sophie who's the head warden there and uh, she remembered me, thank God, because she was the uh, assistant warden when I was there for my two weeks and uh, yeah I hope you enjoy. Same. How big is the reserve? This reserve? Yeah. Oh, this is only about 10 acres. Yeah, it's quite small really but it, it's it's it was very specifically selected um, because well when the bird observatory was first actually established it was established at, at the FERS which is now the Norfolk Wildlife Trust Visitor yeah. Centre. Um, but this area, um, I mean, was chosen for a bird observatory because it's right on the corner of that change in direction around the wash. I remember being told that, now you've said this, I remember when I came for work experience, I remember being told that. Yeah. Because you're on the point here, aren't so, you? So, exactly. So we're sort of sticking out into the North Sea, but it's also a point where birds are being forced to make a decision. If they're migrating and they're following the coastline, it drops away in a direction they're not expecting. And it does make them either stop or turn back quite a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, it's kind of like an oasis. There's, there's a lot of shelter in the pine trees here, particularly when the wind's in the north. And north winds bring us our autumn migrants. Yeah. Um, so you've got the good bank behind us, haven't you? The sea wall, as it was, which it makes a big difference, that. Yeah. I can't believe, you know, that how, how much of a sun trap it is, actually. It's yeah. As this, is, uh, this is, uh, well, this is... It's not a very skin. easy environment to work in, in in the afternoons. If the sun's right. blazing in the window and I'm at my desk, it's sort of yeah. melting. I can't really can't really concentrate too much on the... That's why I said come in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> then I've not got to sit at my computer, you see. Oh, yeah, ulterior um, motives. But, um, but yeah, not, not only is the, the, the belt of pines that offers shelter, but we've got a lot of... Um, we've got a lot of vegetation that grows on the reserve, which is, you know, it's really good for insects or it produces a lot of fruit. You know, elders good for insects and then you've got the berries in the autumn time and we catch a lot of warblers that are eating that and then they produce droppings which are sort of a bit like ink yeah <laughs> leave your skin all blue and purple um, but yeah it, it's we've got several drinking pools um, and things like that so it's, it's just a it's just a place where birds can shelter they can they can feed up they can get out the weather and uh, yeah, it, so it, it does it does draw birds in, and it's got a lot of suitable cover where we can actually put our mist nets to catch the birds and ring them. Yeah, as well. Have you been have you been catching much? It is quite a quiet time of year, so there's uh, there's obviously birds that come to the reserve to breed. We have a lot of um, warblers like reed and sedge warblers. Lesser white throats, white throats, black caps that are coming coming here to actually to actually nest, and if they've had a good breeding season, then 
often by now they will be on a second brood and I think that's probably where a lot of our birds are at the moment. We have been catching quite a lot of young dunnocks, yeah. the speciality of the observatory, <laughs> yeah, the dunnock. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you know, we're seeing some, some young black caps and white throats and um, reed and sedge warblers and things like that. And they have got time to breed again, as long as the weather's decent. And, and then as we get into August, we tend to get post-nest dispersal. So we get um, quite, quite substantial numbers of young birds, which are either birds that have fledged locally or they're actually beginning to pass through on their return migrations back yeah. to Africa. And that tends to, that tends to sort of peak in September. And then in October, we start getting um, birds that are coming back from Scandinavia who've been breeding there in the summer. And they're then returning to um, Western Central Europe. And we've been catching things like um, song thrushes, blackbirds, um, you know, green finches, chaffinches. Um, if we're lucky, we get, we get bramblings in certain years as well. Um, there's, there's really very wide range of species that we can get, particularly September and October, which are our busiest two months of the year. And yeah. that's when we tend to focus most of the ringing effort. So... Yeah, I remember seeing in the book, um, you know, some random, some real random birds when I was here. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's been a lot of, a lot of very unusual birds recorded here over the years, because if you get the right weather conditions... Or the wrong um, weather conditions, for that matter. Well, it's, it's wrong for them. That's, yeah. that's the thing. When, when we're, we're, we tend to be happy to see rare birds, but they're probably not having a great time. If they've, <laughs> if they've ended up here and they shouldn't be, then that doesn't mean that they can't correct for their error when they've had a chance to, to stop and rest and refuel. Um, but you do get birds staying here for a variable length of time in order to do that. And the other thing about the site is that you have so many different habitats in such close proximity. So, you know, we do monitor the seabirds. Yeah. We, we do a lot of um, sea watching and we do standardised recording of the seabirds that are passing. And you tend to get particularly a lot of interest from, from bird watchers in the autumn when the winds are in the northwest. That's people expect to get some of the more interesting seabirds during those conditions, things like skewers and, um, and shearwaters and things. And, and you've um, still got the hide at the back here? Yes, back. yeah, yeah, we have. I mean, unfortunately, all our hides with doors are, are not currently accessible. No, to I saw that. I, I, I worked, I'd worked it out roughly about halfway down the path, thought we can yeah. get in that one. Well, you, you can, you can in go one. in the ones that you can just walk, walk in and out yeah. of. And we've left all the flaps open and we've, we've limited it to one household at a time at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's a problem that all the reserves are going to have is how they're going to open up to the, to the public with their hides. Yeah. Uh, some, some a man stood outside each hide saying, right, you can go in, right, you come out. Well, some, some, are, some have already done that. Where, where they've got bigger hides, um, you know, one, one option is to leave... Um, all the hide flaps open, leave the doors open so no one's having to touch anything. But if you're at a site that you can't monitor 24 hours a day, um, then, you know, it, you need that to be a fairly enclosed site. Yeah. Whereas we are next to uh, the coastal footpath and, and actually to leave everything open is, is actually going to cause more people to come through who yeah. may not use the hand gel. It, it is odd that, yeah. that people, some people don't seem to take it seriously or think... Or grasp it. No. No, I think that's right. They don't. Um, but, but you know, I've 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 heard one or two people say, "Well, I'm I'm bound to to get it. I don't care if I get it." And I'm thinking, right. So you don't know anyone who's got a health condition. You don't know anyone who's over seventy. Yeah. 
yeah. or anyone who knows anyone who is. You know, it, it's not. Yeah, it's not about you. It's about everybody else. Exactly. It's not just about you. It's about everybody. And you know, I think that started off. You know, I think people were very. Um, did you very... shut down completely, or did you just shut? Did you just shut the hides up when it first? No. Happened? What we what we did we. Before the actual lockdown itself began, we'd, we'd already had to close hides. Yeah. And we roped off across the end of this seating area so that people weren't coming into the seating area at all. At all, yeah. Um, and, and obviously they couldn't access the building, but they could still walk through and, and birdwatch from, um, you know, the, the best spots and so on. Where, I mean, a lot of the birding here is not particularly hide orientated. No, you can it's, see a lot of the paths, can't you? I thought that. Yeah, well, coming some, along. and we've got a few sort of benches, and particularly this viewing platform, um, which which gives quite a lot of extra height, and it does really help the view. And you can see quite a wide area um, where you can get quite a lot of birds. So so we did that, and then we closed entirely when the NWT closed their reserve. And I mean that was it was obvious that that was necessary. Yeah. Um, you know, all ticketing venues were closed. Yeah. And and that for for you know for our visitors that's that's what they are i do monitor some some of the private land in the area to produce information for the landowners about their wildlife because they are interested in it and i think it's important to have evidence of what they are achieving we've got um this is all sort of a higher level stewardship and a lot of that is private there's a, a, a a farm immediately behind me which is not in any agri-environment schemes but it's still terrific yeah um and i think it's important to have a record for that in case they ever do want to bring in any schemes or anything who who knows what it's going to be like in in another couple of years i remember and i don't i know i haven't been down there i remember my granddad went down there just before we finished driving i reckon uh at flitcham there was um, a private bird reserve down there. It had been made privately for the farmer's own use, but it was but it was public. Was that Abbey Farm? Abbey Farm, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the wildlife down there was fabulous. That's right beside, you know, all, all around it's heavily keepered. Yeah. And you, you can't well, tell me that is, doesn't play a part in it. This has all been part of the same story. Um, because Edward Cross invited the NOA to ring at Abbey Farm. Right, yeah. Um, this was when I'd not long been warden, um, and and you know I really I really wanted to have a a sort of what's the word I want a more objective approach. I wanted the opportunity to do some more objective yeah. work at, at you know sites where there's shooting, sites where there's private land, because I think people have a very fixed attitude to what is actually involved. And, and there's actually a lot of really great wildlife, which is, is going unrecognised. Um, I went through several hoops to try and get ringing going at Flitcham, which is not immediately near here. You no, know, you know you've got to go out of, your way to get there. It would have involved quite a lot of work. I mean, we've always done outsites ringing, um, but in the end, it, that was 2013, which was a particularly bad year for the greys anyway. Yeah. And the, the keepers didn't want to know. And, so, and of course, you know, because it was me, Yeah. I don't suppose that I immediately look like the best person to have on an estate <laughs> who's going to be the most open-minded about the Everyone, laughing yeah, traps and all the rest I of it. I think it's the whole, that comes down to the whole one, one you know, the, the blinkered. 
Oh yeah, but well, it, but it can't she's a bird watcher, so but she it can't, can't help but work both no. ways. Oh no, and 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 you know, I completely understand that, and I felt very sad about it. But I wasn't, I wasn't angry with anybody. I knew why they'd said no, and I knew what idea they'd have in yeah. their mind of what that was going to be like. And I had a conversation with Ed, where he said, um, "Well, we have shoots on a Saturday. Would you be able to come and, and do the ringing on a Sunday?" And I said, "Well, I was planning to to start in February when the shooting's finished." And he said, "Oh." That's very understanding of you. And I just thought, oh, God, have we got, got to be like this, you know? It's, um, I've had some very similar to hunting. Yeah. So, like, we hunt from, what was it, August, end of August, beginning of September, right through till March. Mm. If it wasn't for certain masters of, of the hounds who's got a lot of land, we wouldn't get nowhere because the keeper's like, oh, no, can't come in here, shooting. What? Fuck yeah. off. We don't do no harm. Oh. But that's as old as the hills as well. Yeah, and, and, and East Anglia is terrible for it. Yeah. Like, if you go down any other packs, but especially down south or down south to the right a little bit, where they've got an abundance of foxes, they put extra pheasants down, yeah, crack on, because they just can't cope with it. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I don't know. East Anglia is what. Uh, who was it said to me? I'll keep a friend of mine said, oh yeah, we, you know what they're like. If they've got one magpie on the on the land, they're gonna have a bad season. And that and, and that sums up gamekeepers in, in East Anglia terribly. <laughs> you know, hunt the magpie and yeah. it pains me. Re it really pains me. And I think more since more I've sort of grown up, I think the more it more aggravates me now because I've, see, I've seen the whole the whole picture, especially like when I was here doing my work experience, you know, trying to catch the stoat and which I never caught. Right. And and the, and, the, and the whole Larson case debacle. Yes. You know. Do you know, I went I straight after I had that conversation with you, I went to the back shed and there was one of those bloody springs <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> um, and, and, and it was being done for the right reasons. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's times have changed massively. Yeah. And, and, well, and I think, yeah, I mean, since I've, since I've been warden, um, I've had to do a bit of rat shooting. Yeah. Um, and then one winter we had a problem here with squirrels. And we had, I think, about three drays. And we always get a few apples from the orchard to put down in the Heligoland yep. trap. And they've been going into the Heligoland trap for the apples. So I let them run out. And then I got a live catch trap and I concealed it with the last apple, apple or two in it. Yeah. Um, and I, I wasn't setting it fine enough quite a few times. And then, and then eventually I, I got one. But I knew that I needed to get it in the live catch trap and then shoot it. It's not pretty, but it's legal. Yeah. And, and, I got, and I got rid of three squirrels and then they've not been back since. So that's about seven years. It's yeah. been largely squirrel free. I've not had to do anything about it, but that's the only pest control that I've had to do. Yeah. Except, except for sorting the rats out. And we've got yeah. one site where we have to poison and one site where they, it's better to shoot them. Yeah. See, nobody ever hears that side of the, the story and, and the reasons why. You know, no. because the rats take the eggs at night, they're diseased bastards, but nobody ever seems to see that. There was, no. a, there was a lady in, where was she? In London, I think she was, and she got rats coming to a, a, a bird feed and she's feeding them, she thought it was great, until someone said, you know, a wheel's disease and, yeah. oh, they're all right, and all this. And then, um, not not that long after that conversation, she caught Will's disease. Oh no! And but that's uh, terrible. That's very serious, isn't it? Rats had to go then. Would you believe? Yeah. Well, I, I've had the experience of we 
we've got a bunker up at Wolsey Hills. Um, and we've always, we've always put bird food down at Wolsey Hills. And we had an old boy there called Tom Fletcher who used to take care of it for years. He took care of it. And he got poorly uh, one winter and, and wasn't going there anymore. Um, and we went and cleared the, the bunker out and the rats had been nesting in there for Ooh, some considerable time. Lovely. It was absolutely horrendous. Yeah. And that is why you don't let that problem get so out of control. It's, it's so dangerous and unhygienic and, and unpleasant, you know. I remember um, that at, at home, when, when they first really started using hoppers for the game, the rats just, it was quoted in the sun, I think, as the McDonald's for, for rats. Right, and, and actually, to be honest, I would I would agree mm. to that. We were going out with with a with a two hundred fifty cartridges and shooting about three rabbits at night, and the rest were at rats, mm. and uh, just outrageous. And I I remember saying, and and Dad saying as well, actually, what the partridges and the pheasants are supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. If you've got a hop up, you know, so so far up a hedgerow, mm. and all them rats in between, mm. how are you supposed to keep your eggs and your chicks? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of hard work is what, what it costs in the end. Yes. And a lot of bloody poison. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, it, I think it's very difficult. And one of, one of the things that's interested me, um, I, I did um, a redenticide course for gamekeepers yeah. um, at Holcombe in 2016, um, which was very odd. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a cat egret in a field full of British cows, but the cat egret is perfectly happy. And the cows Aunt. don't understand what the hell this white bird is that's running around their feet and they're running away from it, you know. And it was like, <coughs> my assistant came with me because he was working at the two sites where we needed to do rat control. And, um, and we sort of sat down and it, and it was like, <laughs> you know. And then... Awkward silences. Well, it, well it, was, it, was, it was just, they were all sticking together and they were, they were scared of us. Um, you know, which was, it was incredibly sad. During, as the day went on, I got talking to one guy who was there and he was, he was looking after the grain stores at Creek or something. And he was, he was just worried about passing the test, you know, and he just wanted someone friendly to sit yeah. with. So he came and sat with us. And then at the, at the end of the, at the end, for the final session, we actually sat outside on the benches. Um, and there was one old, old boy who got nowhere to sit and he, he, he you know, barely plucked up courage. And I was like, no, come and sit down, you know. Yeah, we don't bite unless well, you ask us to. Well, it, it, but I wouldn't have gone there if I was going to object to what they were teaching yeah. or what it was for. Um, but it's just, I mean, I can understand why people find it odd. Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, just, it's just one of those things that you have to try and get past. And, uh, and that's really what I've been interested in doing and I think because there is a lot of misconception and it is a subject which is quite misused yeah. I was particularly interested in in gathering evidence because other people are not interested in doing that they wouldn't think of it people are, people just like to stay in their own way slag the other system off and and be done with it well it but they're encouraged to see it that way yes oh, um, 100% and 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 you know if you read if you read I mean I I've I've found GWCT to be good at, at getting across the idea that it's work on, you know, work on farmland with conservation has got to be collaborative. 
And, and you know, if, if you're going to sit down at a table with somebody and the first thing you're going to say to them is, right, I don't really give a shit about your li livelihood and I don't really understand what you do. How far can you expect to get? Why do people think that it's not got better? Yeah. Um, you know, and I've, I've spent some time as well looking at how far back a lot of these attitudes actually originate, yeah. which is, you know, they're very, very old attitudes. From the, from the day of time. Norman Conquest, certainly. Yeah. You know. Their own empire as, and they won't let anything go. Well, for as long as, for as long as, well, it's for as long as people um, have been told that it doesn't matter if they're starving, they can't have someone else's, you know, food for hunting. Yeah. That's, you know, that's quite fundamental. Yeah. But, you know, that, that it, personally, I think the idea of, of standing someone in a skeleton costume, their child in a skeleton costume and standing them on a grouse moor, because that's the most offensive thing you can find in this world, yeah. is, is truly shocking because it is based in a complete lack of understanding. We all know what they're objecting to, um, but it seems to be the one profession where you can assume that someone is a criminal without any evidence um, and that's fine. It wouldn't be okay if they were black. No. Or, you know. No, that would soon, things would soon change then, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, I've got to say, the Grace Moors, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> I used to love going up on the, on the Grace and, and, and going beating. Mm. Um, but I just don't know what's going to happen. It's a shame. Um, what hasn't helped is, is the big commercial shooting of that, I think, is that's the... That's the key. I think I think that's going to have to stop, and that'll upset a lot of people. Yeah, but I mean, how do you define what's wrong with it? I mean, well, I'll show you what's in that report. Yeah. Um, but you know, as as I say, it, it's 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 not something that I can bring into the into the conversation yeah, yeah. today. No, that's fine. It's 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 more. I mean. What's influenced me has been working with Jed, you know, he was poaching since he was, I don't know, yeah. able to run around. Um, and, and he always saw it from both sides. You, you were here when I'd only been here a couple of months. Um, and it was always just a natural part of what was going on. You know, predator control can have real value in conservation. And we need people who are properly qualified to do it humanely. I think that's that's the thing that makes me so sad is people don't appreciate that this is it's actually skilled work that they're going to need. Yeah. You know. Okay. So. I was listening to an American podcast. I had a an English lady on. I can't remember her name now. I have asked. I have messaged to see if she'd speak to me, but she hasn't got back to me because I'm a I'm a nobody. Um, <laughs> but she was saying about. Um, the it was about trophy hunting. Yeah. Well, whenever I think of trophy hunting, I always think of of lions and tigers and and, and that side of things. But actually, in the UK, obviously you've got the stags and the and whatnot, and and that there's a chance that all might change. And the 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 impact that will have on on economy will be horrendous. Mm. And then when, and she also said, okay, so you want us? She was talking about antis and stuff like that. And she said, all right, so. You want us to stop shooting deer? Fine, we stop shooting deer today. Okay, what happens when there's too many deer and they're destroying all the crops and they're overrun? Oh. And, and, and the person said, oh, we'll just, we'll just relocate them. 
we can eradicate, and that's fine for the first year. What happens when you when, once you've relocated so many, uh, they can't go nowhere else, no. and 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 they didn't have an answer for it. And I no. think that, there we go. We're all no, up. but I think I think there I think there isn't an answer that is palatable no. for, for most people, and I, I I understand what is upsetting about the idea of controlling numbers of of wild animals. Um, At least the stag, at least the mean, meat goes back into the system. Yeah. Mostly. But I, I mean, I was I was reading, I don't know, it might be as much as five years ago. Um, but I was reading that they reckon we'd need to cull 60% of the deer population in this country just to stabilise it. Yeah. You know, it is already a, a major problem. It's a major problem in conservation because they graze so much understore. And, um, you know, we wonder why we don't have any nightingales anymore. Well, they want hawthorns that are touching the floor. Yeah. You're not going to get that with all the amount of deer that are around. And here on this site, um, we we have to put fences around anything that we want to grow. Yeah, always because, have the munchkin. Because they're going to be they they're just everything's you know we've been trying to get elder re-established in the central part of that. Um, you know, probably since you were here. And and. We've finally got um, an, an area that's been fenced off. It's been so dry we have to keep watering it. Yeah. Um, but you know, if if we've we've got muntjac here, and who you know, hasn't? It's, it's not really well. Exactly, exactly. But I mean, I got contacted by uh, a member of the parish council earlier this year. He'd got a, um, a pair that were coming into his garden and making a mess of his garden, and and you know he wanted to know what he could do about that. Um, the bluebells. They they're really bad for the bluebells. That's um, I think about in the New Forest. I think I read somewhere they were they were having a big cold because of obviously New Forest has got boar as well, hasn't it? I think. I'm not sure. I could be I could be talking shit, but I know the muntjac are definite, and they were saying they had a big cold because of, because of the worried about the, the, the muntjac eating all the bulbs, you know, of the bluebells. Yeah. Well, I think we have to draw a line. You know, those have been artificially inter introduced. And we're putting them into, you know, they've, they've moved into environments where there's already a lot of other pressures. And actually, if we, if we want to protect what's left of our wildlife, the idea that we just um, don't touch it is, well, it's quickly going to show what is, yeah. what is wrong with that strategy. I always remember someone saying to me, if you ever see three individual muntjac in, a, in, in one woodblock, you've, you're sort of infested, overrun. And I was beating... And just my main business, tap my stick, where, you know, as you do. I wasn't very old, so my main business sort of thing, thinking about tractors or something. And also this muntjac comes towards me, comes bowling past me. I thought, oh, muntjac. Carried on. Literally about a minute later, another muntjac comes by. I thought, pay up, pay up. <laughs> and then literally, again, about the same time span, another one comes, three individual muntjac came past me mm. on the same ride. And I thought, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. And, you know, and I must have been, what? I wasn't riding my moped by then, so I'd have been. It's probably in my point fourteen. Yeah. And consciously, consciously thinking, then we've got a problem. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know what the answer is going to be, but we can't stop. Well, I think I think there's there's <laughs> there's a real problem, isn't there? There's a real problem of perception, you know. The fact is that most of us have to go back five generations now um, to find anyone who worked on the land. Yeah. And um, 
you know, as we've got more and more separated from the natural environment and more and more people live away from the countryside and sort of regard it as a, you know, a leisure facility, um, they're now going to turn around and tell the people that are still working in the countryside that the state of it is their fault. Yeah. And, and so not only are they fighting a losing battle, um, but, you know, they're expected to take responsibility for a situation yeah. which everyone has a part in. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's, it's, it's just a very sad state of affairs, really. But the answers have got to be through working together. And I think that the divisions that have been exploited in, certainly in my time working in conservation, I find very worrying. I don't see how we can actually sort of find a way forward if we're not working together. It'll, it'll, all, it'll all crash and burn, I think. It's, it's a big circle. Like I said on, on the phone when I first approached you, I said it's a cake. You know, each part, each person's got that chunk of cake to make the whole one. And, mm. I, th and I still see it like that now. And without, without, without everyone being together, I think it'll just crash and burn. Yeah. Well, it's probably more, if I suppose if I was using an analogy, it'd be a making of a cake, I suppose, really. You know, if you miss an ingredient, it doesn't work, does it? And that's certainly how I feel about it anyway. Who's rustling up there? Can you hear somebody rustling? Oh, well, we've got ongoing um, pigeon nest building activities. Oh, I reckon that's what that is then. Yeah, well, no, they, they started making one up there and, and uh, I think they noticed me sort of watching them. So they're hot, so I think they've moved a bit further up that one and then there's another one up in, in that there's one. There's definitely somebody making a, making a nest in that one, I can hear yeah, him. Yeah. Well, well, we had a we had a, a lovely nest up here, which is actually quite well constructed for a pigeon. Yeah. Because the the, the down sloping branch, the the female bird was sort of sitting sitting on there, and the the weather got very windy in the autumn, and uh, and so she started bringing more sticks and building the back of it up, so she was actually sitting level. Yeah. And there were all these gales, and she was bouncing up and down. She she sat tight. She, she got two broods off that nest in sort of one in late July and one again sort of early September. Really? Mm. I'll tell you what I did, and I, I actually thought of you when I was doing it, because I'd love you guys to come over with your, with your nets. My boss has just taken a bit of orchard on opposite his house. Yeah. It was to it was, he took it on to preserve his privacy. Yeah. Um, but this part, actually the whole orchard, he got about an acre of it, but the whole orchard was like them bramble bushes over there. Mm. And the, or can you clear it out? I'm like, oh, that's sacrilege, that. I was thinking about driving it for pheasants uh, before anything else. And uh, no, no, I want it clear. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to. Anyway, I started going up and down the roads with a tractor and squishing my brambles out. And then I had to get them off, and I had to get the brambles off the apple trees themselves. Mm. And these, these apple trees are fantastic apple trees, just covered in bloody brambles. Anyway, the nests I found, and I've, so I've got to go back later in the year to, because it's just, I found, First, I think actually it's the first thrush nest I've ever seen. Mm. I found that this year, yeah. just before I went off doing the COVID testing. And, and I, I was a bit gutted actually, because I'd pulled a load of brambles off before I saw the nest. Yeah. And saw, I'd like to, and she, she had to get the chicks off, but I didn't think she was going to, because mm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of sparrowhawk damage um, on the lawn. I, I hadn't, I've once seen a sparrowhawk there, mm. um, but, seen the aftermath but never seen the sparrowhawk itself but i saw it actually for the first time last friday um 
and there's a lot of magpies and bits and pieces. And I thought, you're never going to get them chicks off that nest. But she did do, mm. which I was which mightily surprised about. But, yeah, there's a lot of nests. And I've got a bird load of brambles, but now I can't touch that because it's middle of the summer and there'll be nests in there. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I shouldn't have to bloody wait, but... I'm not, not that I'm complaining because I saw enough of that place when I was cleaning it out, to be honest. Like, mm. snarled up with brambles when I was on the tractor and because <laughs> it was an open cab tractor. What of um, the other thing I want to see and I haven't seen and I'm going to see one this year is swallow-tailed butterfly. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've never seen one of them. Have you not? No. Oh, no, I... I've never really done the broads. That is the one thing I want to see. I was just looking at the butterflies going across here now. Yeah. You're a bit too far around from here, I suppose. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're quite a specialist. Yeah. No, I, think, we, we... I think it was some scene not far from home on some of that wild bird mix and that they cover they put down. I think it had quite... I don't know, I don't know where, whereabouts it was, but I feel sure someone said they'd seen one. Mm. But, it, I mean, a rarity. But that was because they'd put something... something there was something specific in the, either in the stewardship or in the, in the game mix itself. Yeah. But... Have you ever been, have you ever done, and it's, I, I know, I, I couldn't get into it, um, the, the insect um, reading for the partridges. So where you go, Game Conservancy do it, so you get a big big net, walk, walk along the cover crop, swishing it about like you're weird. Mm. And I suppose anybody who does that job has got to be a little bit weird. That's a bit like well, I do know quite a few people who do that sort of... How weird it, are they? they? Be honest. Pretty, they're pretty okay, actually. You lie to me. <laughs> you lie. They're all weird. Um, and I remember Dad doing it before we get, went into the dogs. Mm. And that was... They had some good results off that off the top of the cover, you know, for the, to, to count, you know, to see, make sure they've got the right yeah. insects. Well, we, cer we certainly get people that do it on the reserve. Yeah. I'd, I'd be really interested to see what sort of um, insect results that you get out of some of the cover here, because there's, there's a, a few sort of um, areas of... Um, wild bird mixes and, and do you game plant mixes. The, do, you work, do you plant the wild bird mix or is it just been... Oh, no, no. I mean, this isn't on our land. Not on yours. Oh, not on yours, no. Right. No. So, so, but some of the areas that I am monitoring have got, yeah. have got um, game and wild bird mixes on them. And, um, I mean, just, just over there, Drove Orchards, um, we normally have a, a sort of a public wildlife day there once a year. And we do like guided walks around it, and and um, we usually run a couple of moth traps. And last year, um, one of the moth traps I ran quite close to the to the wild bird mix that they got over there, and I caught that many cabbage moths. You know, because I mean they've yeah. obviously got a, a lot of brassicas that are in that. And, yeah. And my goodness, I've never seen. Occasionally, you get a moth trap that's full of one particular species, but I've never seen so many cabbages. And I thought, I'm not sure if I should be telling them about this. <laughs> they want all their bloody cabbages eaten or not. Um, but it was, it was quite amazing to see the number that had actually been pulled into that particular trap. And I got another one that was further up in the reed bed. There weren't, weren't really many in it. Really? So it did seem quite specific. Well, moths, moths are supposed to be um, pulled into a moth trap. They, they can be attracted from quite a long way away, but most of them are supposed to be from like really quite immediate... Right, okay, so on, the, on the spot type thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that that could suggest that that's actually moths that were in that, in that, in that habitat that, that had gone to that particular trap. But you do get you do get a lot of moths that, you know, just to throw you, they'll migrate. Yeah, 
So yeah, just a really throw a spanner in the works. Yeah, well, and, and cabbages particularly, uh, things like cabbages and well, turnip is the one I'm thinking of. That that can often be a migrant. Um, but you also have like, a resident population as well. Yeah. Didn't that about moss? They migrated. That was a new one. Well, some some do and some don't. Um, so. I mean, I've, I've been catching this week a, a species called the tree lichen beauty, which only turned up about, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago. And it was like, this is only the second or third for Norfolk or whatever. Yeah. And I've caught three does, so it, far this week. Does, does, like, does weather change when they migrate as it was? Because, like, like, was it last year there was a snowy owl somewhere, wasn't there, that was like, mentally where it shouldn't be and that was the winds that well, pushed it right we had snowy owl here 2018 march 2018 maybe, maybe that's what i'm thinking that of. was during the beast from the east yes that would have been it and it was here it was here um now it turned up so did i read siberia that's that's the sort of area where it ought to be yeah um and it it turned up sort of just it was it parked itself halfway between the beach off Titchwell and 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 Thorn and Point here but we could just see it yeah with a telescope right off the the top of the bank there and then it it, it went round to Snettisham and it was it was there where people could get rather a better view of it Snettisham and yeah. I saw some Snettisham seems to get quite a few rare things because I remember well it's it's a huge area and it is very unusual because it's facing west into the yeah, wash yeah. On, on the so the, the west face and east coast if you like that that does make it quite unusual but the extent of those mud flats and then you've got the sort of you know the actual reserve and the pools and everything as well yeah. it's a huge draw and birds that are on migration are going to see that from the air and see that that's a habitat that they can use and they'll, they'll drop in they, they had a um a marsh har um different harrier there didn't they a few years ago a good few years ago, about ten years ago, I well, reckon. Been, there's been some odd ones it's, around. Yes, yeah, so I remember that being at section. Dad saying that he'd, Dad had seen it when they were shooting. Dad had seen it when they were down mm. on the on their marshy bit, standing on there. He'd seen it. Yeah. Well, there was um... all that, and he he said to me originally, he rang me up and said, I don't know what's going on. He said, Can you ring your granddad, find out what's going on, because there's loads of bloody bird watchers about. Yeah. And then and then that's and he and then Dad actually did see it in the end. Well, we had we had a northern harrier here one winter which is the North American subspecies of hen. Um, and we ha we've had, um, I know around Snetsham there was a black-shouldered, no, black-eared kite. Right. Um, which, which was quite exciting for people. So that was a variety of black so they still, kite. Do they still look like a kite? Yeah. Yeah. And As it were, with a tail. There's been, there's, been, there's been an odd sort of pallid harrier in the wintertime I saw a Harrier well. yesterday and that's the first one I've seen for a long time. Where was I driving to? I can't remember I was driving there and I thought, that's a Harrier. That's a Harrier mm. sort of thing. Mm. Um, it's, it's surprising though, this time of year, um, they, they, they will hunt over, over farmland. Well, I remember, I remember the combine uh, drivers years ago and I, was, I must have still been at school finding nests in the field from, you know, they had to go, sort of go round them. Yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd mark them and then you'd harvest around the outside. Yeah. And one of the other things that can happen is, depending on what crop you've got, if, if it rains, then that can collapse in on the nest yeah. and get the nest wet, so you have to pull it off. Yeah, it, especially get, if you get a late crop off, I suppose, when it starts to flop over. Mm. I don't yeah. think we're going to have trouble with that this year. Though it start, it's like actually the harvest started later this year than it did last year. 
I remember driving back from France last year, it was all the, all the combines going, and actually when we got back to the UK, the combines were working in the UK as well, which well, was it, early. It's, it's been an appalling, but it's been an appalling farming year, hasn't it? Oh, horrendous. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of fields around here that are still half bald, um, and some that haven't been sown at all. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really not been good. That'll do, that'll do the wildlife good, Dave. Well, it, it depends. I mean, it, it depends on what birds you're talking about. I think, I think that some of the farmland birds this summer have done well because we had so much fine weather, particularly in April and May. And, and so far there seem to be quite a lot of yellowhammers. Yep. I think they might have had quite a good breeding season and stuff like that. But, you know, whether, whether they really want bald areas of unsown fields, I'm not sure. Again, I'd like to say a big thank you to Sophie and the NOA for letting me go and talk to them and talk about the amazing things they're doing, especially with the gamekeepers and, uh, and everything else. It was, been, it was, a, it was a fabulous, um, a fabulous honour to go and, go and chat and, and talk rubbish for a few hours. It was, it was brilliant. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed the show. Goodbye.